All right, hello and welcome to another episode of Growing Your Successful Business. I'm Brian Harding. Super happy to have Dean Paulson with Floor Trader Outlet of Tacoma with me. We'll get to Dean in just a second. Uh, first, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, don't be afraid to tell a friend or a coworker or a family member about our, our little podcast here about all things small business. Hope you're learning some stuff each week as you tune in. Um, you can find us online at growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. You can find all the links to Facebook and YouTube there. You can also shoot me an email at brian at brianlharding.com. And uh, now that we got that out of the way, we'll get to the important stuff, which is Dean Paulson this week, owner of the Floor Trader Outlet in Tacoma. You can reach them at 253-476-8000 or floortradertacoma.com. Or even better, stop by their shop in person, uh, 7310 South Hosmer Street in Tacoma. Uh, I've been there myself numerous times. It's a fantastic location to go check out uh, if you have any kind of flooring needs, uh, carpeting, hardwood floors, all kinds of good, all kinds of fun stuff in there. Uh, not hardwood floors. What's the what's the stuff I I had in my house that before the the, the waterproof land? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Vinyl planking. Yeah, that stuff is really cool. That's awesome. Um, Dean is a third generation owner, right? Is that right? Yeah, I'm yeah. The, I'm the third, son's the fourth. So, um, you know what they say about third generation business owners, right? The first generation starts it, the second generation builds it, and the third generation blows it, right? That's pretty much how it goes. That's what the saying online is. Uh, usually the second generation blows yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. In, in, in any case, no pressure for you, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. The pressure's on Zach. <laughs> the pressure's on Zach. He's right. like the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, one of the reasons I asked, uh, a few of the reasons I've asked Dean to be on here, uh, Dean is a guy who's super open to outside suggestions for his business. His brain just never turns off. Every time I talk to him, even at social events, you can't get the guy to shut up about business and how he can improve things. And uh, uh, he's also an expert in technology, innovation, marketing. Uh, he's just a super smart guy. I'm really happy to have him on. And um, before I flatter you, you, you much more, jeez. Uh, wow, what a title to live up to. <laughs> Holy cow. It's, it's hard enough for me to do this without you watching you turn red over there. Good Lord. Oh. Um, so let's talk about the flooring industry a little bit. Uh, huge competition you got to face with big box stores. Staying relevant, I'm sure, is, is tough in this market. Tons of competition. I'd say you have more than your fair share of competition in your industry. Is that all sound pretty oh, close absolutely. so far? Yeah. Um, how, how long has the Floor Trade Outlet of Tacoma been in business? Um, well, we've, we've been in business for different names, under different names. We've been around since 1921, about 98 years. Wow. As a family, as a family owned and operated floor covering store. Nice. Good for yeah. you. And how long have you been in charge? Oh boy, um, so, I don't know. Since probably 1990, I've been part of the management with my brother. It's family right. owned and operated, so I take care of one division. He takes care of another. So nice, nice. Good for you. So tell us all about uh, your 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 story here. I mean, you, you take over from your dad, who took over from his dad, and. Uh, how did all that go down? Exactly. I mean, um, our, our business started in Portland, Oregon okay. in, in 1921. My grandfather was in – he actually owned uh, a Venetian blind business to begin with, one of the really? largest ones west of the Mississippi, and got out of that, found into flooring, and continued with flooring ever since. So, um, you know, family business, there's a huge dynamic with family business. People hate to be in business with family. Right. Um, so – he had a brother that he I suppose it depends on whose family. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> he he didn't he didn't get along with his brother, and which is typically the case. So, my dad took the stores up in Tacoma and Yakima at the time, and my uncle kept the stores down in Portland, and they gotcha. just did their own business. Okay, so gotcha. And you just like all you've known your whole life, or you went out? And oh yeah, yeah. From the womb to the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> I, strictly, that's what happens when you go into family business. You go into the business, and right. You go straight from you know high school. You're working your way in the warehouse. You know scraping your the weeds out of the parking lot curb mm -hmm. with a knife and yeah. all that sort of fun stuff. That's so all you know. That's all you're qualified yeah. to do. That's yeah. all you're qualified. <laughs> they won't let you touch anything. Right. And then um, <laughs> you work your way up and go to college and hopefully graduate with a college degree and come back and work sales. So right. Yeah. It's 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 in my one thing about family business. It never stops when the door closes. Right. It always comes home to the dinner table. Always revolves around the weekend. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. Th- Thanksgiving at your house is a little different than most than most houses. Cause oh most yeah. People don't talk about flooring and employees and marketing and my my and wife floor always, layouts. And <laughs> my wife always says, "Leave it at the door." Yeah. Right? Good luck. Yeah. How's that yeah. work out? Yeah. You know, it's funny to go on you know date night because we walk in. No matter where I walk in, I look at the floor and go, "Oh, I know exactly what that is." That's funny. Just like here, I walked in and saw WPC flooring. It's like, oh, they're up to date with their That's new hilarious. waterproof flooring. My mom, who's uh, who's mostly retired, but she works part time in a little town in Kansas for a flooring company. And on the way here, I was she was telling me about how uh, she's ruined now. She goes to a restaurant, she inspects their flooring now first thing. Exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so in ninety eight years and and twenty or thir- twenty five or whatever with you in charge now, what what are some of the things that um, that you would say are some some lessons you've learned or some things that uh, you've encountered that you'd prefer not to experience again in in that in that uh, tenure wow um there's so many um limit the amount of family you have in a family business right yeah (laughs) um there's two types of people in in business there's there's people people and there's non-people people people. right uh don't put a family member in charge of people when they're a non-people people right person so that was a huge lesson yeah cost us a lot of employees throughout the years yeah because it's when the fam was, I imagine when it's family, you you know the family member kind of gets the benefit of the doubt longer than the average Joe. Yeah, yeah. And, and so and you burn through some decent employees until you figure out you got them in the wrong spot or in the wrong industry or the wrong company exactly. or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the best, some of the best times um, you see is uh, is them going away. Yeah. Yeah. We're having our celebration. What's the celebration? Uh, Tom retired. Uncle Joe's retiring. <laughs> He's <laughs> gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? What other, what other kind of things have you learned? Oh, boy. There's just a whole bunch. Hiring people. You know, we deal with not only um, product that we sell, but internal applications of people. People have changed so much from customers to employees to mm-hmm. to everything. Um, you asked me about some takeaways I could, I could probably provide. And um, in, in hiring people, I, I tell you, put people in the right position. Um you don't want to hire a, a, a clerical person, like I said, to to work with people on the sales floor. I hire for people for personality. Mm-hmm. Um, all this, all the flooring stuff can be trained, right? You know, anything you can't hire people skills. Either right. people have them or they don't have right. them, right? Um, and and vice versa, you can't take somebody that's real great people skills and put them in the technical um, team. Must be cross eyed, dotted that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. job, sure, um, because they'll fail at it, right? Yeah, that's one of the things that is uh, whenever I, I talk to folks one-on-one about, you know, uh, coaching them up on business stuff or, or trying to help them solve a problem, whatever. And inev- inevitably, we talk about hiring people and recruiting people and things like that. And I I always spend a fair amount of time with them because people, well, I'm only looking for a certain person with certain skills. Okay, what are those skills? I'm going to teach, you know, I need, uh, that person needs to be able to, they need to know floor and they need to know plumbing, they need to know you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever their industry is. And I always I always say, well, how long would it take you to teach somebody who didn't know any of that stuff to be proficient at it? Not an expert, but proficient, you know. And the answer is usually six months to a year or somewhere in there, 18 months on the high side. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the answer is almost always there. And then I say, okay, well, how long is it going to take you, take you to teach a person to be a good person? <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Yeah, good luck. That's okay. So you're, you're looking for skills that you can teach in six to 18 months, and you're disregarding the skills that you could never possibly teach. This is absolutely backwards. Right. And you know, in, in my experience, when you hire folks, I, I, you know, I for years I used to say that I had to pass the, uh, they only had to pass one test. Would I trust this person alone in my mom's house? You know, that's a great. That's scenario. it. it and, and if the answer is yes, I can teach them everything else they need to know. Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, this conversation's over. Right. And and getting folks to uh, understand, I think it's really, really especially in, you know, today it's so hard to find people. You know, ten years ago we, were, we would be having an entirely different conversation. But uh, in today's world, where you're just dying, everybody's dying for good people. Uh, I I would suggest to folks to quit spinning their wheels on trying to find the technical stuff and just find a just find a good person who's been displaced for whatever reason where they're at, or they're you know thirty years in the industry and they're looking to make a change or something like that, and just gra- right. gravitate towards those folks. Um, the biggest advice I ever learned was hire slow, fire fast. Yeah, that's huge. Because so much, you know, being a family business, every it's a smaller business, so everyone becomes like family that you right. work with, and you give them chance after chance after chance, and excuse and excuse, and you sort of drag that. Okay, here's your three month, you know, working period trying to fix your problem, 
and to like a year later talking about the same thing. Right. I mean, it, and especially when you have a like, I call it a cancer in your organization, someone who's just bleh, just yeah. burn out for whatever reason. It, it could not be their job. It could be family issues. It could be their life issues that they're going through. Boy, you just you just agree to let them go and on with the next. But what if that person's your top producer? I mean, what if you that fire th- them? <laughs> what? I have fired my top producer. Yeah. Yeah. You just if if the cancer is growing bad in the organization, you, you cut it out because yeah. it will pollute the rest of the people. Matter of fact, you'll lose face in front of the rest of the employees if you right. don't take care of the problem. Yeah. If you just constantly ignore it and let it go and let it go. Yeah, I think people. I think employees give you the benefit of the doubt for a little while. X amount of months, years, maybe in some cases, probably not, but if certainly months where they 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 don't necessarily know that you know. But right. once they've kind of figured out that you know what's going on and you're still not addressing it, now you're just insulting them. Yeah. And now you're disrespecting them by by forcing them in the situation where they shouldn't be. They shouldn't right. have to deal with this person who's just a complete ass to deal with. Exactly. And and you're making the choice to let them endure because you don't have the 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 fortitude to deal with it yourself. And after a while people get they get tired of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. They'll leave. Some of your best sure. some of your best and I call them company people. Um Company person is somebody that looks out for the company just like they would this, like it's their own. Right. We are blessed with long-term company people. Right. Um, yeah, if, if you let a newbie come in and start doing weird stuff or not correcting bad behavior, it's, it can build and build very yeah, fast. Yeah, and, so, and something, you know, something else you said, you were talking about, uh, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And, you know, you, you give people chances and give them chances and give them chances. And I've had this conversation numerous times with, uh, folks I work with, and my belief is the person is probably just as ha- and the person who's causing all this grief is just unha- as unhappy coming to work here as you are having them come to work oh, here. Ab- absolutely, they are not in a good spot for them. So we're not doing them any favors by forcing them to keep coming here every day. Let them go find a job that's more suitable to their skills and their personality, and and let them be happy. Everybody deserves to be happy. Let them go find happiness. In a place they would find. This isn't it for whatever reason. We just right. don't we don't mesh. We don't gel. One of the things when I hire people, I say, if you're not happy, and if you find out in, like, three months or whatever, if you're not happy in this job, let me know. Because it's better if I know from your heart. Then right. I, I can put you in touch with somebody else who's hiring, and I can just, like, help you out, get a job that yeah. you want. Because I want everyone in the organization to be happy. Right. You and know? you deserve happy, exactly. Joe employee. I mean, everybody deserves that same happiness. Right. Yeah. So... Well, good. What what other kind of things have you stumbled upon in in thirty years in the, in business? There's so much. Uh, we we make make so much mistakes that we just want to forget them all. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, this, isn't this a funny? So one of the things for you guys listening, one of the things I ask folks to do when they come in is is uh, just pencil out you know anywhere between five and and ten mistakes that that uh, that we can all learn from. I, I I really believe that folks listening, myself included. We learn from our mistakes, and we learn from other people's mistakes. It's hard to learn from Jeff Bezos' success. It's hard to make that apply to my business. But I can absolutely take what you're talking about and the mistakes you've made along the way and apply that to my right. business. Absolutely. I think I brought a list in like 35 times. Yeah, you brought, you're an overachiever <laughs> for sure. You're, you're, we can have you in three more times, and we'll be okay. We're, we're a little d- different store. We're not like a typical carpet store where you you go in, find something off a sample, and then we order it in, and you get it a week and a half, two weeks later. We, we have it here in stock. Right. So a lot of what I do is purchasing for the store, buying what's new and hot, and making special buys and stuff like that. So um, – um, and, and I guess as a business owner talking to another business owner, there's certain things you want to look out for and not do. Right. You want to control your inventory per se. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've walked into the plumbing store and seen, boy, they haven't made that part in like 30 years. Why is right. it still here? You got to do your inventory turns and uh, negotiate the best if you can. You know, the, you mentioned home stores. How do we compete with the home stores? Because floor covering is almost a commodity nowadays. Right. You can find it anywhere. It's just the home stores try to cheapen it up so they can hit a certain price point, but they don't necessarily pass that information off to the consumer. Sure. So you just got to know what you're what you're buying and really ask the sales consultant, like, why is this different than this? Because what you see at the home stores is not necessarily what you see at a specialty floor covering store. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty universal for I mean, unless you're buying lumber. And even lumber, maybe that way. I don't know. I don't. I haven't. I've not not compared the straightness of a two by four from Home Depot versus 
um, uh, brand X lumber in quite a while. But um, I suspect it's that way with anything. I mean, plumbing is no different. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going to if you're if you're um, looking for something for your home, you have to just take into consideration that if I'm going to the Brand X home repair store, I have to do that much more research to find out if I'm getting apples to apples. A water heater here is not the same as a water heater here. A shingle here may not be the same as a shingle here. The right. flooring here, they might be the same colors on the flooring. Uh, the carpet might look the same. The pile might be the same or whatever uh, length or whatever. Um, but people aren't generally prone to, to uh, they're, they're not motivated generally to ask those next level questions. They see the price point they want. They see the color right. they like, and woo, we're off to the races, right? A good saying is you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, like, for example, like the big box orange store, which I won't name by name. But anyways, <laughs> they have this like lightproof flooring, and customers come in and say, do you have this? But no, we have this because they own the trade name of lightproof. And then you start talking to the cons- consumer, and you're saying, okay, this is a – a 12 millimeter wire surface or a 20, which is more like a commercial. And they don't know that the big boxes is six. Well, it really needs to be 12 to be residential. Right. What does six come into play? Uh, six comes into play like tail light warning. Yeah. 30 feet or 30 second, whatever. Last right, 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 right. So when you were talking about earlier about uh, um, the hiring stuff, you talked about, you know, slow to, slow to hire, fast fire, keeping mm-hmm. people who are people, people in people, people jobs and not putting them in, in, accounting type jobs and things like that you also uh, i think you mentioned something earlier to me about uh, hidden training costs what do you mean by hidden training costs um the some people um instead of developing people into how you need them to be um as far as training it costs so much like everyone's heard of a turn and burn like a job amazon would be a turn and burn job Mm -hmm. you go to get a job amazon they don't like you. They'll turn and burn you. You're out the door with the pink slip, and there's 150 people to take your place right. tomorrow. They, it's just churning. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a lot. Floor cabin companies, a lot of big box stores. Um, I walked into Lowe's and Lakewood the other day, and a big sign on, we're hiring. And it's just like, ooh. I mean, it's, it's sort of like an entry-level job. Right. But they don't necessarily train to be excellent. Right. Whereas a lot of stores that are family-owned and operated really trained to be excellent because that's our image is based on it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So are there are things like that uh, along those lines that you've learned along the way where, where excellence is more important than, than price and things like that? You know, um, in a smaller family-owned store, uh, like Liquid Hardware and Paint, use mm-hmm. them, for example. They're awesome people. Um, you pay maybe just a smidge more, but you get so much better expertise and advice. Right. And, and they can look at the whole project instead of just – this anybody can we have people walk walk in and and they want to know all this information well a lot of this information doesn't apply because it's garbage in garbage out much like the internet but um if if you go come into us we'll tell you some of the details and facts about what performs great or what's going to be best for your family and stuff Mm -hmm. whereas if you go to a big box store or chain stores the salesperson will walk over flip over the sample and start reading it to you off the label well i could have done that right you know, sort of, that's a difference. Right. You know, where we really train and um, put the time in to the people developing. Yeah, I think that, that uh, hopefully consumers, uh, as technology becomes more and more uh, a driver in our lives and getting us to where we're, you know, we're, we're, we're being directed, I should say, um, I hope f- people will resume taking responsibility on themselves of doing a little bit of research and, and – Understanding that, yeah, the reason why the specialty store is more expensive is because you're getting a specialist. You're not getting somebody who can read you the back of the, the display model or whatever. And and it's it's you know, you go in and ask a question, and the and the and the stark difference in answers is is crystal clear. You know, right. Who the expert is and who's not. And the specialty store isn't necessarily more expensive. Like right. f- for example, my store, I we have an outlet store. I pick up a lot of discontinued overrun products a lot um first call i only sell first quality stuff so if if um our our industry is very fashionable goes Mm -hmm. with fashion trends colors right um that's why i I never want inventory older than a a year old because by two years old it's going to be outdated right and color um so say we um big box stores will program i need this color and i need this available anytime i want it and mr supplier you just have to have it on hand Right. 
whereas on the drop of the switch they'll cancel that product throw it out and then the supplier's left with all this material sure and then who do they go to the, to get rid of it so they right. sell it at a huge discount so they can continue and i'm there to buy it up and right and take advantage and sell for less money than the big box stores did oh that's cool on select merchandise yeah yeah sure sure what are the kind of things on the business side do you think that would be good information for folks to hear about from a guy who's got uh, your experience keep your eye on your cash flow yeah. cash flow is king yeah um 2008 we had bank of america pull our line of credit just overnight on a wow. phone call oh by the way your four hundred thousand dollar line of credit is due and we're not going to renew it it's like wow oh boy here we go yeah luckily we um we, we put money away for rainy days and we were able to cover it yeah but but watch your cash flow what what i mean if it's not too personal what lo- what led to that were they just alarmed at the industry yep. The they market, the, and they, they just said, the, we're, we're pulling them all? Or? They saw the crash come, and they pulled everybody. Yeah. No matter how good of a reputation you had, no matter how good you were at paying every bill yeah. or every every um, loan, uh, it was yeah horrendous. So how do you guys decide, so, you know, without getting into dollars, but, you know, percentage-wise or whatever, how do you decide how much to set aside every month, every week, every day, however, however often you do it? How do you decide how much to set aside for a rainy day fund? Boy, um... I just keep track of our cash flow and payables for the next month. So you're just you're forecasting a you're month forecasting out. Forecasting a month out. So let's say, let's say you forecast a month out, and you know for easy math, you've got, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars bill in bills due next month, and you've got three hundred fifty thousand dollars sitting there. So you got a hundred thousand dollars surplus. How do you decide how much that hundred thousand dollars gets put in the bank to never be touched again? Until your line of credit's pulled in 2008 or whatever other scenario comes up, I, I try to keep double my cash flow on hand. So you double your monthly cash flow. Yeah. So whatever that your whatever saying. your monthly expenses are, that includes labor, insurance, rent, everything. Right. Whatever right. that number is, you try to keep double that. Double that. Socked away in a in a rainy day. Because if the economy goes squirrely again, if it goes squirrely for too long, everyone's going to be out. Yeah. So. Right. Gotcha. So when we went through the last downturn, did that did that math prove successful? That was enough. It really did. Um, yeah, it, it got us through. I mean, it took out. We had three stores at the time. It did take out two stores. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Uh, leases were about up, underperforming stores necessarily. So yeah. it was actually a good thing. Gotcha. That's one thing about inventory. It does keep keep you in materials. Right. Keeps you through. So you talked about uh, not having inventory lo- older than a year, and you talked mm-hmm. about. Keeping on your turns and your cash flow. How, how, are huge. how does all that kind of play together? How, and for folks who are not in inventory heavy industries, like we're not, I mean, inventory, or, you know, we don't carry a large inventory. Materials is a, is a small percentage of our business. Um, we don't, we're not going to say carry enough inventory and materials to even calculate inventory turns. I know the, the formula, I, well, I should say, I remember the fim- formula when I read it again. I don't <laughs> have it memorized, but anyhow, um, so for some folks who don't have heavy in- inventory businesses, inventory turns may not be a big deal. But for those that do, how do you know what your what your turns are supposed to be? How do you know what I mean? What your cape? You know, it's, it's flooring the same as steel is the same as no. the lumber guys. It, it's every all industry has their own set of ratios. Gotcha. Um, that that you can if you're part of an association, mm-hmm. they can provide you those ratios. Okay. What, what type of turns you get and that right. type of thing. Um, with ours being a fashionable industry, we, we really don't keep things older than a year. Right. Um, and it, there's a, there's a certain amount of ego when you're the buyer because, oh boy, we made a great deal on that one. Let's, let's, you know, put it out there and then you're in love with it so much. You hate to see it go. Right. And I keep telling my sales staff, we're not married to this stuff. Let's right. Let's move it so we can get the next, the next newest product in. Right. Yeah. So that's just a huge is your inventory and your turns. Right. And managing your inventory. You don't want to walk into a warehouse and see copper rolls have been there for three years. Right. Even yeah. though they're still good and still first quality and they're beautiful, they just take up a lot of room. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a product that takes up a lot space. of space. Yeah, <laughs> it does take up a lot of room. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it uh, when you trip over the same uh, the same roll for more than a few times, you probably... <laughs> you, you'll you'll know when you walk into a carpet store how long something's been there because th- they start off round, yeah, and as they age, they, 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 they sort oblong. of turn into oblong, <laughs> turn into eggs <laughs> from the side. That's funny. That's funny. 
So we've talked about some people. We've talked about inventory. What are some other things that, uh, given your experience, you would you would say for folks to keep an eye on? Um, you know, make sure uh, buying right. Um, a lot of people just take, oh, what's my price? Oh, okay, great. They'll be no negotiate your price. Everything's negotiable. Uh, you're talking about as a, as, as, a as business you're buying, owner. As, a as, buying, you're buying. as you're buying product as a business owner, you want to look at not only what you're buying stuff for, but you also look at other things like prompt pay discounts. Boy, do, do you have 2% two, two at 10 or what's your prompt pay discount? Right. Or buy on terms. If I buy five rolls, do I, can I take 3, 60, 90 days to pay it off? So first payment's a third and 30, third mm-hmm. and 60, a third and 90. So that'll help your cash flow. So those two, those two, let's just talk about those two things. So those two things seem um, mutually exclusive. Either you would want to choose to pay with a 2% discount net 10 or you'd want to pay it over 90 days. You're saying do both. The beautiful part is if you can negotiate both. Yeah, if you could get the two percent discount and pay it over ninety days. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, are you are you saying then you make buying decisions or or paying decisions and buying decisions in both, or it depends on your cash flow at the moment, which one you're trying to get, or so? I guess what I'm saying is if if I had to lay down those two things side by side to you, you got um, I'm not sure what an average purchase is in your industry for a line is or whatever, but uh, let's say you're going to make a hundred thousand dollar purchase. And um, you have the option of either 2% net 10 discount or financing for 90 days, no no, inter- no interest or nothing like that. Which one would you pick and why? Um, well, it's too large of a number. Say $50,000. And say I'd take the 2% and pay it off as long as my cash flow is good. Right. If you're, if you're bulking up for a sale or coming up in the buying season, I would – um, try to negotiate both again or extend the terms. A lot of people put out their six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't wait for six months to start paying it off. Right. As you sell it, that's not your money. It, you yeah. still have to pay your bill. So I would take that six six months and divide it by six. That way you're still paying something every month. Because sure. the worst part is you already pre-spend that money and yeah. then six months comes around, and it's you have due. a $50,000 bill due, and you're going, well, where is that going to come from? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good position. Right, 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 right. No, I I hear you. And you can't do that with labor, and you can't do that with insurance, no. and you can't uh-huh. do that with taxes, and you can't do that with rent. And you, I mean, so why would you why would you do that with materials? I mean, you've got to if – if that is your, your market is selling those things, then you have to pay it as you go. It, that only seems to make sense. Pretty much. Is that is that a, a, a pitfall you've seen folks fall into a lot? S- several times. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of companies think that the money in the bank is their own personal money. Right. A lot yeah. of owners. And it's, <laughs> it's not. not that, it's not that way, yeah. Yeah. It w- one thing since I was you know, 18 years old coming into the family business, whatever's in the bank account is not your money. Right. You can't go out and buy a new truck. Yeah. You can't get that new Ford F-350. What? You're third, ge- you're third generation? You got screwed, man. I thought that was the whole point of being in the family business. No. You got the new truck and stuff like that. No, no. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dad. No. <laughs> Um, what are some other things that you've you've uh, you've experienced that you'd pass on to some folks to change a little bit? Oh boy, um, on employees. You know, you mentioned employees. Sometimes I've had like five employees come back and say, "Boy, thanks for letting me go. I was such a jerk." I yeah. Said, yes, you were. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Um, thanks for recognizing. And that. I've hired some of those people back because they've cleaned up their life. They cleaned up the situation. They were a great employee, mm-hmm. and and they want to come back and work for you again. And, right, and you, you sit down with them, you go through it, and as long as they didn't burn any bridges, you know, there's <laughs> there's some people that just like cuss you out as they walk out the door. That right. would be burning a bridge. Right, right, right. Um, no, I've hired a couple people back, and they've turned out to be long, long term employees. So what what were the what were the right questions to ask when you're in that situation? I mean, we, we've all I think been in a situation where you somebody leaves for whatever reason, and then you know. Six months passes, two years passes, whatever passes, and they come, they call, and they say, "Okay, you know, I, I think you know." What are the questions you ask to determine if this was a good decision or not? Because I've seen that go horribly yeah. wrong. Oh yeah, and I've seen it go extremely well. How did you, how did you decide for you what, um, if it was a good choice or not? Um, no, I've hired a couple people back, and they've turned out to be long, long term employees. So what what were the what were the right questions to ask when you're in that situation? I mean, we, we've all I think been in a situation where you somebody leaves for whatever reason and then you know 
six months passes, two years passes, whatever passes, and they come, they call, and they say, okay, you know, I, I think, you know, what are the questions you asked to determine if this was a good decision or not? Because I've seen that go horribly <laughs> wrong. Oh, yeah. And I've seen it go extremely well. How did you, how did you decide for you what, um, if it was a good choice or not? If it was a good choice to bring him back? Yeah. Um, the key term is why. I mean, why did this whole thing happen? Right. Because I, I usually give people one major screw-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you get instead of three strikes, you're out. You get one major one. Um, you can take all three you at can, one you time. Can, yeah, you can have three, or you can you can have one you really get, big yeah, one. Three small ones or one huge <laughs> one. And there's always there's always something behind the one big one mm-hmm. that you have no control over as a company that doesn't even reflect on your company. That right. doesn't reflect. It's just their own personal life has gone gone to hell. Right. So, um, you, you know, really one, one things on that, one of the things on that, I I I. I uh, I suggest to folks is look at patterns. We're we're all creatures of of habit, and mm-hmm. we all operate on a set of patterns. And so, if you have an employee who who is just all of a sudden over the course of a short amount of time, a few days, weeks, or even you know sh- a few months, is just acting drastically different than what's normal, um, I would encourage people to pull them in, take them to lunch, or pull them preferably into a office with no windows and close the door and just say what's really going on and they'll get their first answer is going to be some bs answer about oh you know so and so pissed me off or the supervisor's being a jerk or whatever weed through that okay but what's really going on right and then you'll get a little more self-reflection and then you go okay but what's really going on and then about that point is when they just lose it yeah they just start sobbing yeah or or whatever and you find out, you know, my husband's been cheating on me for six months with my best friend and my, you know, maid of honor. <laughs> I haven't ran across that one. Uh, I, I haven't personally either, but those are, those are the kinds of, th- I mean, I've, I've heard very similar things, but those are the kinds of things that you find out, okay, here's this pattern that's 90 days old, and you find out 92 days ago mm-hmm. <laughs> this was discovered at home. Um, I really suggest that folks take some time, if, again, it just – People are very predictable. People operate in very um, habitual manners. You know, I, I look. I do the same thing, but I always have a box of Kleenex on that table. I gotta get some Kleenex. They're gonna I, cry. I have a roll of toilet paper from. I don't know where how it got there. It's in my, the bottom of my you, bookcases. I gotta get some Kleenex, but I don't. I don't use Kleenex all that often. So I never think about it until it's too late. I'm always 47 seconds into the conversation. I'm like. I can see the tears coming. And toilet like, paper works. And I'm like, oh man, what do I do? I do I go get. Whatever yeah. I I gotta make myself a note to get some clean. You know, it depends. You have a gut feeling as an owner because you've been through so many employees and you've you've dealt with people in general. Right. You sort of know how it's gonna go. Either it's gonna go, they're gonna tell you some real truth, or they're gonna get upset and just start yelling at you or say it's all your fault or whatever. Right. And if it's gonna be the blame game, then take them out to lunch. Yeah. Because they won't want to embarrass themselves out to lunch at right. Applebee's. Yeah. Whereas you know they'll they'll flame you in in private. Mm-hmm. But but most of the time I pull people aside. And, um, you know, I just touch bases with them a lot, you know, mentor them through. P- part of the owners is we get them all hired and set up and then turn them over to somebody else to train the basics. And, right. And then we sort of forget about them. Yeah. Which is the worst thing. I'm guilty of it. I've done sure. it. Sure. Yeah. And then, and then we're, we forget to touch bases with them. And how often do you think you need to do that? How, of, how often is, I mean, you, you don't want to be <laughs> every three days, hey, come no. here, let's talk. I mean, you, no, there's maybe some balance there. What, what, do you, what do you recommend? There's always coffee pot chats. It's sort of like a, a walk by. Yeah. Hey, how things going? Tell me how your son did, or yeah, how was your weekend? What did you do fun? You know, just in it, get them in it. How's things going? Any problems that you ran across? I don't know about. How can we fix anything? Right. Uh, after the first month, I interview, I re-interview people and say, how we, how are we as a company compared to other stores? Right. As a matter of fact, I make them within the first month go shop other stores. Really, I want them to know what our competition's like, what the experience is like, mm-hmm. um, anywhere from outside appearance of the store to how they were greeted, how long it took them to be greeted, what kind of prices they have, and, and what do you like about it, what didn't you like about the experience, and maybe the, our competition is doing something that's absolutely killer that right. we should be doing, and it would be simple for us to imp- implement, but I wouldn't know about it because I personally don't have time to go shop everybody all the time. Right. And it's not something that you want to hire a secret shopper to go do because they don't look at it through the same eyes. Right. So. And they won't remember something six months later when it occurs to them. Oh yeah, I saw this over at Brandex. They were doing this and this and. Right. 
Um, one of the things I'm working on is trying to um, memorize all of my employees' uh, spouses or significant others and children's names. And More power to you. That's <laughs> Awesome, awesome with, idea. With fifty, with do. fifty people rolling around, it's 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 uh, it's hard, man. Um, but it's something. It's I think it's a responsibility I have because I I don't want to become not relatable. I don't want to become somebody that, that, that only talks to when there's bad news. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and I do want to be able to, to say, you know, how are you and Timmy or whatever the kid's name is. And um, I'm finding it more challenging than I thought it would be, but uh, I'm working on it. Um. I I bring in just random like breakfast stuff. Yeah. Even that'll just well, what's that for? Well, no reason. Just because you're the eighteen today. Yeah. <laughs> today. Right. Not, not the same shift tomorrow, but today. You're right. The 18. <laughs> yeah, we our guys get spoiled. We have a number of suppliers that bring in donuts. I think I think we have donuts four days a week delivered by suppliers. That's awesome. And so we used to be able to do that. I want your we, training program we, for suppliers. We used to be able to do that. Where, where uh, you know, we would do random breakfasts and lunches and stuff like that. And now it's just it, it feels like it's lost the meaning because they they expect <laughs> it, don't they? Well, it's not it's not so much that they're very gracious. It's just it when you get when you get donuts every day, getting donuts from this guy versus this guy. I mean, it's it's not right. <laughs> it, the impact is lost. I think so. I'm trying to figure out how to. I don't know if I tell our suppliers to stop bringing donuts, but if I did that, they'd string me up for sure. <laughs> I'd be on the back of a milk curtain if I did that. <laughs> what other kind of uh, tips you got for employees? What are things you th- What are the things you think are important with dealing with employees? And oh boy, uh, the worst employee problems I've had for, is from hiring relatives. Yeah, you know, because if you piss off one, you piss off two. Sure, that's like two sales. Two salespeople that are brothers is the worst. Oh man, you know? I can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you get mad at one, then the other one bitches to the other brother, and then they're both mad at you be- mm-hmm. because you know what's thicker, business relationship or blood? Right. Oh, so down. you mean not not your family members? No, but, no, but okay, I see. I members. see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine that. Jeez. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So going coming from a, it's funny you hear that coming from a family-owned business guy. Even dealing with, <laughs> even dealing with family members. You understand the irony there, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it, it's really hard. It's hard growing up in a family-owned business um, for me, and and especially for, you know for my son and stuff. But when you have an employee who has a family member there too, it it gets really challenging. Yeah, I mean we we uh, up until recently we had a no family rule, and. Uh, what changed that is we hired a really great kid who happened to be dating my niece, and he's but he's a super awesome guy, and we're we're super happy to have him. Um, and then he ended up marrying my niece, <laughs> so we had to make an announcement that you know by the way, and we but we kept it a secret from Ray for over a year. Right, we didn't tell anybody that he was that he even knew me, and I had to pretend at the Christmas party that I didn't know who he was, and I had to be introduced to my niece and say, "Oh, this is your girlfriend. Very nice to meet you and stuff," because I didn't want to, you know, there's two things there. One. I didn't want him to get picked on and ostracized because right. he's related. And I didn't want people to have the impression that he was getting an unfair advantage because he was family. And uh, after a year, he had proved himself um, over and over and over again. I mean, he's, he's a very, very well-liked and respected employee. And so when I, when I made the announcement, um, he, gets his, he gets his fear of teasing, I would say. But it's not mean-spirited in any way now he's he's right. worked his way he, he's earned the right not have to deal with that kind of stuff anybody who's grown up in a family business knows you have to work twice as hard yeah and you have to you have to do twice everything as hard yeah to to get the the respect yeah and and we hired uh eric my partner eric you know eric I, we hired his son and uh i had a very frank conversation with him and said listen i, I hope you understand what you're signing up for here you are going to have to work harder than everybody else and you're going to have to um, eliminate any chance for people to look at you and saying, "Yeah, but you, know, you were given this." Uh, yeah, but you, you know, he took out a shortcut. He's. I said that we have to do this. It's it's the only way to be fair to everybody is, is to make sure that everybody knows that you know nothing is given here because you're family and and even uh, friends. We I can't tell you how many times in this my company now and previous where I didn't own the company but I was managing the company, hiring friends, high school friends, and things like that. And there's nothing worse than having to fire one of your friends from high school. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely. I mean, the, all those things. It's it's like 
if you could make yourself a rule where you, you know, if you'd known anybody longer than 18 months, you just refuse to hire that person, you I think you'd be better off. Yeah. We made one exception. We hired a, a sales guy named Tyler. He's mm-hmm. a friend of Zachary's. And uh, I, I was nervous about it because we started off in the warehouse. He worked his way up into sales. And it's really worked really well. Right. But do I want to do it again? Not necessarily. Yeah. But it just certain situations. Yeah. I mean, I've, there's exceptions work. to everything for sure. Just uh, in general, I think that we've done better. Uh, and again, Kyler, my my now nephew and, and Corey Erickson, are, they're both doing fantastic. Prior to them, though, we've hi- we had hired a number of people who were friends or good acquaintances or friends of friends, and those, well, in the high ninety percentile, have been colossal failures. So, who's been your best <laughs> hire? Um, where 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 do you find people? Because I get that question asked to me all the time. It's like, where do you find people? Yeah, uh, I'm super open and candid about a lot of things. I'm not about that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. I uh, I'll, I'll split here. Yeah, um, some of our our best employees have have been our customers. Really? Yeah. Um, we have a great sales guy named Travis. He works for us, and he, he was a customer first before he was an employee. No kidding. And he's worked out phenomenally well. So just a, just a residential walked in one day looking for some new flooring yep. customer or yep. like a repeat customer? No, uh, one time, one or twice buying customer. Gotcha. Yeah. He was out there, and he was uh, he was open, and it just worked. Yeah, I think uh, um, you know a lot of our customers are repeat. I mean, our best customers call us a dozen times a week. Um, if we started plucking their employees, I think we'd... <laughs> By the way, I need to call you again. Awesome, thanks. Throw this back up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love I mean, you know, I love hearing that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was going to take a picture of your truck in my driveway. Oh, just so geez. I can just yeah, don't, send it to you. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've, we've covered employees. We've talked about inventory. we talked about cash flow. Um, you know, having a reserve uh, for when your line of credit's called, if it's ever called. Um, we talked about some hidden training costs. Uh, um, you know, what what are some other things? What what are a couple of examples of things that have happened to you that you're like, man, I just didn't see this coming? Uh, like like you mentioned the the line of credit thing. Um, you mentioned some stuff with some employees and uh, uh, putting folks in the wrong position. Do you have any oh, specific yeah. things where you put somebody? You, you know, you, you talked about a people person in an accounting job and things like that, or well, vice you, versa. What, like what? you take a, a great sales guy. Mm-hmm. Who's great with people? Great sales guy, and you put him in a management role. Oh, that's the worst. It's, a, yeah. it's the worst. It, we didn't know that mistake until we made it, and it's just he failed. Not right. not failed. He was really sort of good at it, but he the people that he was over who used to sell with now saw him as competition. Right. And it was it just it just didn't fit him. He didn't have the skills necessarily to do it. Were you able to save the employee, or, or you absolutely, had, you were good, yeah. good, good. We just repositioned his 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 role a little bit. Yeah, and sometimes you put people like I hired a salesperson who was just in the wrong role. Mm-hmm. Um, hated his job, ended up quitting on me um, after about three years, and had a lot of family drama. I thought that's what it was about. Right, but uh, he was bored. I mean, he did he wasn't doing what he's doing now. He does outside sales now. He's thriving again, which mm-hmm. is huge. Right. So, and you mentioned you you had three stores uh, until two thousand eight. Um, were those three stores all one company? Were they separate companies? Uh, at that time, they're all three companies, all one company. All three locations were one company. Yeah, that's the biggest failure I think we made in the business. As when we set up a new location, uh, from now on, I'm going to set it up as a different LLC and not trade inventory between stores. The reason we kept it all as one store is we could trade inventory between one store. It wasn't a, a nightmare, mm-hmm. bookkeeping-wise. Uh, looking back, it was such more of a nightmare having it all as one. If if that store would have been set up as a separate LLC and say you're in the market for two years and it wasn't performing or you wanted to tank it and, and flush it and just get out of this, basically get out of the five-year lease, Right. you could just bankrupt that LLC. Gotcha. And then not have to pay on an empty building for two years. I see. Which is what you had to do. Which we had to do. <laughs> landlord, landlord is very happy. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. We weren't. <laughs> right. Um, so are, do you have plans of expanding into more stores now? Um, I'm really planning on becoming more efficient to where we're super efficient with one store. I'm right. working on all procedures and 
and everything that makes us super efficient because we can increase our volume almost double if we're just increase our efficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and focus on different avenues of business that we're not going, currently going after. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, when I, we, I, last week I had uh, Lyle on, you know, Lyle from uh, Aspen Northwest property management. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking, him and I were talking about efficiencies and things like that. And something people just kind of glaze over when I start talking about efficiency. They don't understand it's, it's I'm talking dollars. I'm talking profit. You know? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. It's a, it's a, it's a massive. It's just like for every mistake, something happens. It's dollars right out the door. Right. Yeah. And they don't, can, they don't get it because they're not writing the check. If you can minimize wasted time, wasted mistakes, all that stuff, you're just increasing your profitability. Wasted energy. Wasted just energy. Like yeah. I, we have this huge garage door that rolls up. Right, because you have to let it install it, and this thing is like, oh, eighteen feet tall, mm-hmm. right? So in the middle of winter, the th- door's all the way up for loading out a van, and I'm flipping out. I was like, "Hey, what's going on? All my heat dollars are going right outside." Right, right. And it's like, well, gee, I had to let it I said, "Well, open the door halfway. You got a checkbook? Write me a check for five hundred <laughs> bucks." You know, people don't look at it that way because it's not their money. Right, right, right. But every owner flips out when he sees efficiencies go to waste. So how about, how about a good audit story? You got a good audit story for us, like oh uh, Department of Revenue or 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 anything like that? Um, it was just told to me, and and it was a secondhand story. We didn't go through this, but um, the best piece piece of advice this guy told me was if you ever go through an audit, do an offsite audit. Mm-hmm. Take the paperwork to them run out your accountant's meeting room yep. and have them do it right there because people talk in your office right? and those auditors aren't stupid. Yeah. They'll, the, especially the LNI guys, they're, they're pretty sharp. Um, they'll just listen to the chatter happening, whether it's real or not. Mm-hmm. And that gives them, hey, we, we didn't look into that. We'll, we'll dig a little deeper. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, instead of a, what, a one-week audit, they're there for a month and a half. Right. You know, trying to find something. Yeah. Um, we run a real clean business, so we don't have too many problems. But, um, yeah, get them off-site. Yeah. Anytime you go through an audit or anytime you have inspection of books or something, take it to a, an independent off-site place sure. for them to review. Yeah, and, and, and uh, for those of you listening, it's not if you get a Department of Revenue audit, it's when. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it should happen right around every four years or so. Pretty much. <laughs> and you mentioned also uh, always use contracts, attorneys, always have things in writing. Why, 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 why do you say that? Uh, we've been burned so many times just – uh, you know, it's not like the good old days with dad in the business, handshake and right. people's good word. Right. Um, I trust but verify, and I trust contracts. Yeah. <laughs> I verify with my attorney. That yeah. Everything's kosher on both sides yeah. to protect me and to protect the consumer. So that's why we have terms and conditions on the back of our, every contract. So it's all labeled black and white, what mm-hmm. happens and what the rules of engagement are. Right. Basically. Yeah. Um, just in any time I negotiate anything, anytime someone promises to do something, I'll follow up with an email and get email confirmations. It's huge. Just hold, you know, like, like with the reps, you know, they'll quote you a price and then they get amnesia when they comes around to place in the order a week later. Right. Oh, I don't remember that price. <coughs> and I can look back at my email and say, yeah, here it is right here. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm a huge, I mean, I, and I, I think relationships are key in business relations, you know, business, they're, they're huge. But people mistake that to mean um, you only have verbal conversations about pricing and con- you know, contractual kind of things, and I'm absolutely not for that. I mean, anything you can have in writing should be in writing. Again, just, again just a quick email. It doesn't have to be a 37-page contract. Right. A quick email and say, okay, just to verify it, here's the price, here's the date, here's the whatever. Um, it just makes life so much easier if, if people in general just operated that way. Hey, we can negotiate a price verbally, no problem. Let's shoot each other an email just to confirm the pricing, confirm the details, confirm the exclusions, what that kind of stuff, immediately afterwards. Or while we're sitting here. It can be a quick thing. It doesn't have to be a – I don't know why people find that off-putting. Do you have any kind of in- inclination I, as to I why that, that's off-putting for people? I have no idea. I mean, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Yeah. I, I just – it just – I don't think about it. Um, I just do it as a rule of habit. Yeah. Just always confirm anything that you you say you're going to do or someone's supposed to do. You just always put an email because they're the same as me. They're going to forget it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a good double check. Right. What other kind of contractual um, advice you got for folks? You know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> people flip out in the, in the flooring industry. Well, you didn't tell me this or this or that or warranties. And 
my dad always told me in, in business, bold print giveth, fine print taketh away. <laughs> I and love that, that. That is so true. That is true. Because with warranties and guarantees, everyone puts out there, this, oh, this floor, this hardwood floor has a 50-year um, lifetime warranty on it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, but read the fine print. Right. I mean, there's exclusions in there everywhere where yeah. it's going to be pretty much excluded. So people get oversold on warranties. Yeah. It's just you got to keep it the common sense. Sure. One, one, the floor is going to ugly out within ten years. Need to be refinished if it if it has that capability. Most people replace their floors because it uglies out and they don't like the color. Yeah, it's not that it wears out necessarily. It's it's just ugly and old, and they didn't maintain it properly. It's not fresh and new looking. Sure. So they ended up replacing it. Gotcha. Well, hey, we're just about out of time. Why don't you take uh, two minutes and tell folks about uh, Floor Trader Tacoma and and uh, we'll get you out of here, man. Well, Floor Trader Tacoma is located in 72nd Hosmer, right next to the Shiloh Inn in Tacoma. We are a large in-stock floor covering store, covering pretty much everything that goes on the floor. Right. Um, we service... So you're a flooring store, not a carpet store. We're a flooring store. Yes. Um, you know, one of the, big, the biggest, newest things today is uh, vinyl plank. Mm-hmm. Uh, vinyl plank clicks together. It's easy do-it-yourself product or have it done. Um, it wears really, really well. Now, you can get actually pour a a dog dish of water on the whole thing, let it sit for a week and come back and wipe it down. Um, again, you have to learn and educate yourself about the product, which mm-hmm. product's going to hold up for you, and our people would be happy to take you through the steps. Nice. And I can tell you from personal experience, hey, Shannon was my guy, right? Yeah, yeah Shannon's awesome. Uh, Dean's whole staff has been awesome. I've been in there a few times and, and uh, made a few purchases, and it's been a great experience every single time. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate you being hey, here. Thanks for having me. You didn't drop the F-bomb one time. I've been waiting to see Sadie's face, and not one time did she have to blush or nothing like that because you dropped the F-bomb. That Sadie, was fantastic. Sadie, this is for you. No. Fuck. <laughs> there you go, Sadie. I wasn't trying to instigate. I got them all out before I the wasn't, podcast. I wasn't trying to instigate that. I'm sorry. No, I was, you did. Look, I was trying no, to give you a compliment, and you blew it. Jeez, I know. Good Lord. Hey, I'm holding up. Um, anyhow... If you like anything you heard today, speaking speak, you drop the F bomb, you want to be a sponsor, please get a hold of me and let me know. You can reach me at brian at brianlharding.com. <laughs> and next week, we're going to have on Sean Ottenbright. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Sean is a former CFO from the uh, uh, Hewlett Packard Company, if you've ever heard of them. Who? And that, uh, huh? Who? Sean Ottenbright. And now he owns the uh, uh, three franchises here the Freedom Boat Club here in the Puget Sound area, uh, Bremerton, Tacoma, and Olympia. And a uh, super sharp guy. Uh, you talk about a, a, a guy who's in an industry where he has to know his numbers, being a former CFO and uh, in, a, in a people business where he, he owns a boat club, which is a, a boating membership club. It's, it's really cool. Um, anyhow, he'll be here next week. Uh, thank you very much again, Dean. I'm really glad you came in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, that's all for today, folks. We'll talk to you all next week. Let me win.